With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Crime Wire, a program dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved crimes and educating the public about various types of crimes and how to avoid becoming a victim. If you'd like to submit a case to Crime Wire or suggest a topic for a future show, please email us at thenewcrimewire at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at The New Crime Wire. On September 1st, 2013, then 20-year-old Kayla Skeen was found dead by her boyfriend and alleged suicide. But Kayla's mother, Dreema Allen, doesn't accept that ruling. She believes her daughter was murdered by her abusive boyfriend, and she has developed substantial evidence in support of her theory. My name is Denny Griffin, and on today's show, my co-host Delilah Jones of ImaginePublicity.com and I are joined by Dreema Allen and her investigator, Clue Wright, to discuss Kayla's case. Dreema and Clue, welcome to CrimeWire. Thank you so much, and thank you for having us on today. Thank you, Denny, and thank you for having me. Okay, we appreciate your being here with us. Um, I'd like to start out... uh, Dreamer with you, if I may. Okay. Uh, what can you tell us about your daughter? What kind of a person was she? Kayla was a very special person. I know that I am her mother, but she was just so special to so many people. She was very highly intelligent, talented, and popular. She always made straight A's throughout school, and she was in the gifted program since second grade. She loved music and played piano, flute, and band, and sang in chorus, among many other things. She had a smile that lit up the room, and regardless of where she went, as soon as she walked through the door, you knew she was there. She was always so bubbly, full of life, full of energy, and an amazing friend and daughter. She was the type of person that would do anything to help anyone if she knew them or not, and she is very missed by many. Um, what can you tell us about what was going on in Kayla's life in the summer of 2013? Okay, Kayla, she always had a positive outlook on life, but at the same time, she was debating on leaving her boyfriend for good. She had been having some domestic issues with him, and that was becoming worse, and he had actually nearly beaten her to death just not long prior to her death. Um, At the same time, she was excited about us taking a vacation soon to Tennessee. We were going to Tennessee to visit with my mother-in-law, Kayla's grandmother, and she had also 
has some close friends that also lived in Tennessee that she would be seeing and hanging out with. So she was very, very excited about our trip that we were going to be going on. Okay, and there's a fellow involved here named Alan Marsh. Uh, Can you explain to us who he is? Okay, Alan Marsh was Kayla's boyfriend. She met him on February 14, 2010. Things seemed okay at first, but he became very controlling of her, tried to keep her from her friends. He wouldn't even let her go to work alone and would ride in the car with her and sit in the car until she was finished with her shift. Personally, it didn't take me long to see right through him. I didn't approve of how he treated my daughter and how he made her work to pay his rent, and she had to continuously find him places to live because he would burn his bridges everywhere he stayed. To be honest with you, I did not see him for about two years prior to my daughter's death. He would always take Kayla's cell phone and pretend to be her and text me for no reason saying, I hate you, you're a witch. I mean, I would get so upset that I would call around looking for Kayla because she never talked to me or anyone like that. And sure enough, every time he had her phone, he even tried one time to make me think that they, were, they had been into a horrible accident. Kayla had called to get me directions to a restaurant to meet her friends, and when I called back to give them to her, someone picked up her phone and it made it sound like metal crashing over metal, and then they just breathed in the phone for about two minutes with me screaming Kayla's name. I kept screaming and hearing breathing until the phone cut off. I then found her friend's phone number that she was meeting, and I called her flipping out, and she said Kayla was standing right in front of her. She got on the phone asking what was wrong, if everything was okay, and I asked where Alan was. She said sitting out in the truck, and I asked if he had had her phone, and she said yes. I told her to go ask him why. What could have I possibly done to him now for him to do what he did to me? He has always done many things to spite me, including killing my daughter. Kayla and I shared everything, so she knew how I felt about him. I mean, because, you know, he was just... (sighs) He was just overbearing with everything that he did. I mean, she couldn't do anything without him trying to destroy all of her friendship. He tried to keep her right to himself and wouldn't let her try to have any contact with any of us. So so Mr. Allen, or Mr. Marsh, I should say, was a very controlling individual, uh, apparently. Um, how did your daughter react to that control did she resent it uh, apparently she put up with it at least for a while but did yeah there come she a did point very much she, resent she it had enough? yeah she had very much resented it because kayla was very popular so she really enjoyed being with the friends going out with the friends and so she was having a difficult time trying to deal with all of that because he was burning his bridges, and the, his her friends would only take and accept him and let him come over for Kayla. But I mean, it got to the point to where they couldn't, they just couldn't have him around her, you know, around them because he just always caused problems. I mean, I didn't even realize until, you know, her funeral of how much abuse she actually endured by him. I I had never had no idea that he was beating her as severely as he was. Okay, so now you, your husband, your son, and Kayla visited your mother-in-law in Tennessee on the weekend of Kayla's death. Uh, what was her demeanor during that weekend? 
Okay, I may choke up a little bit here because, you know, this was a very special weekend for us, and, I mean, I need everybody to bear with me, but Kayla was so happy in Tennessee, and we had such a wonderful time. Her and I goofed off looking for fairies. Uh, We were running around chasing lightning bugs and just sitting in the driveway talking about her upcoming plans. She was very excited about turning 21 in a couple of months. We talked about that a lot. She asked me if she could have the stars and flowers added around her tiger tattoo on her leg for her birthday, which, of course, I had agreed. And actually, it's now a tattoo that I wear on my leg. And she had also asked me if I would help her fill out papers to begin college in January. She had spoken to an Air Force recruiter, and he was setting up a workout plan for her to exercise with him. So she was wanting to take an astronomy class and a gemology class in college and work out at the same time. And then she was planning on joining the Air Force and continuing her schooling and to become a nuclear engineer. Um, Her passion was actually marine biology, and she really wanted to become a marine biologist. And she was planning on joining the Navy, but she looked into it and realized that The Navy wasn't specializing in marine biology as much as they used to, so that's why she decided to take the alternative route and go into the Air Force and to become a nuclear engineer. And then we had also went to Jim Mountain the day before. We had come home from Tennessee and found a bunch of stones, and she bought a gold rope necklace with a sunstone charm on it from there. She mentioned several times throughout the weekend that she felt it was time for her to leave Allen. And, I mean, one of her main things that she kept saying over and over is that she told me that she was sick and tired of taking a grown, taking care of a grown man. And we had also made plans. We were going to go back up to West Virginia two weeks later and take my mother, her grandma, and because we wanted to go see the, the fall callers. And we wanted to go up and hunt for some more stones because we had such a wonderful time in Tennessee just just looking for stones and gathering all the gemstones and everything, and she really became very interested in that. Uh, You say she was very upbeat. you think part of that, uh, well, she had a lot of things going for her with with college and with the Air Force and so on, Um, but do you think the fact that she had maybe made up her mind it was time to leave Allen? Uh, that that was part of the reason she was upbeat, that that was a load off of her? Yeah, I do believe that, too, because, I mean, she had been with him for three and a half years, so she was 20 turning 21 now, and she had gotten to the point to where she just, she she was tired of it all. She was tired of constantly trying to find him places to live. She was tired of having to pay his rent wherever he went, um, she was she was tired of the, the mental issues with him going on. I mean, she had a really big heart, and she was doing everything she could to help him. But it seemed like every time, no matter what she did to help him, it kept backfiring on her. I mean, he even one time, I didn't find out till her funeral, I knew she had a complete torn ACL and meniscus. But I didn't find out to her funeral that she it was because of him he actually slung her across a coffee table and it, that's where it twisted her knee and tore her ACL. Um, so now you've had your visit, you, re, you return home, and so tell us about the events 
on September 1st of 2013. Okay, we we took and we left Tennessee that morning, and we arrived back in Florida around 3.30 p.m. Um, Kayla came inside my house, and she took a shower and hung out for a little bit, and then she left to go to Palaka where Alan was. I spoke to her again on the phone around 6 p.m., which she sounded, you know, fine, and she was at Allen's fixing to head home to Middleburg to her grandparents. I got a phone call at 12.15 a.m. saying that Kayla was dead. My husband and I, uh, we raised uh, my parents. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me just uh, make sure before we go any further. During the uh, the visit to Tennessee and then up until... Uh, you talked with her last on the on the phone. There was no indication that she planned to do anything to harm herself. You say she was upbeat. She had all these things going. Uh, there was nothing to cause you any concern that she might be thinking about doing harm to herself. Absolutely not. I mean, when she called me, she told me that she had ran out of gas. When she had pulled into Allen's yard, she was just waiting for his brother or somebody to bring her a gas can with some gas in it and that she was heading back to her grandmother's and um no there was there was no she seemed happy there was there was nothing in her voice that made me concerned at any at, at all whatsoever our last words to each other was you know i love you be careful on your way home back to middleburg and she said, I love you too, Mama. I mean, everything seemed happy. She seemed very happy-go-lucky. Okay, and, let's and then, um, and then when I got the phone call, my husband and I, we of course, we raced to my parents, and I arrived there within 15 minutes. An officer immediately made me sit on the tailgate of Kayla's truck, and I was not allowed to go inside the house to my mother or anywhere. I mean, which that kind of seemed a little bit strange to me because when my older sister pulled up, she was able to walk right inside to the house to my mother, but they kept me planted on that tailgate. They would not let me move. And, I mean, at the time, I didn't even know Alan was there. I was just sitting on the tailgate saying, this doesn't make any sense. Kayla would never take her life. Kayla was an advocate against suicide, and she has saved more lives in her short 20 years of life than most of us have in a lifetime. I remember saying over and over, I don't understand. And then Mr. Marsh came walking off the porch behind me yelling, I'm so sorry, Dreama. Kayla loved you and Stephen with all of her heart. The police pulled him back, and I instantly started begging the police detectives, anyone, to please listen to me. If he is here, he killed her. I knew of all the spiteful things he has done to me, my mother, Kayla's friends, and Kayla. And the police, they just kept telling me to shut up or they were going to take me to jail. I didn't know it at the moment, but Kayla was found laying dead on the ground with no cord around her neck. The only person that that says that she was found hanging is Mr. Marsh, and his word is not credible. He is known for his lies and abuse to Kayla and then blaming her for it. Because he has done this numerous times. Now, as you, what did you find out later about evidence that may have been uh, destroyed and left behind? Okay, well, I mean, in the very beginning, I'm, I'm, and I'm talking the very beginning. I took and because the the detective that was working the scene that night, he didn't even leave me a business card, so I went to the substation. 
and uh, I, I believe it was like two days later, I went up to the police the police substation, and I made them call him right from there and begged him to please call the medical examiner, to please have them check for foul play and everything, that I knew something was wrong. I immediately told the police that I wanted all the evidence in her case from the beginning and numerous times afterwards. They destroyed the electrical cord that my daughter supposedly hung herself with, they left behind a gold rope necklace laying on the living room table that she bought the day before at Jim Mountain. It was now frayed, and the sandstone charm was missing off of it. His clothes were found lying on the living room floor, and they were actually in the death scene photos. So, I mean, they're laying right there, and they have with what, what appears to have urine stains on the shirt. Uh, Mr. Marsh was with the body when police arrived, and he was not allowed to go back inside the trailer. The only possible way for me to have his clothes he was wearing earlier that day is impossible unless he changed and cleaned up before the police arrived. His white boxer shorts even have a urine stain that appears he urinated himself. There was a green lawn chair cover that was brand new. It had never been used. It, it is kind of like a towel made for a beach chair, it was found lying on the bathroom floor by the shower, and it has with it has what appears to have blood stains on it. I believe, I mean, it could possibly be from her lip because her lip was busted open. And then also, there's a lamp, and the electrical cord, the 25 electro, the 25 foot electrical cord, actually plugged into this lamp, and it ran behind a couch, and it plugged into another outlet. So that's the cord that's missing out of the, the trailer, out from inside the residence. So, And they didn't collect the lamp, and actually the lampshade was pushed all the way over catty corner, you know, where it looked like it had been, you know, messed with. And then it was my best friend, because all I could do that next day, I kept saying, something's wrong, something's wrong. Where's the sandstone charm? Where's the charm to her necklace? Where's the charm to her necklace? Because I knew she had bought it the day before in Virginia Mountain. It was brand new. And my best friend, she was so upset knowing that I kept going over and over that. So she found the sandstone charm to her necklace two days later in the cushion, down inside the cushion of the sofa chair that's inside the trailer. She went over there while I was making funeral arrangements, and she had my sister-in-law that was up there as a witness. Um, and then when she found it, the clasp to the necklace, it was completely bent out straight. I mean, it, it's completely been out straight. So, I mean, that kind of proves that there had to have been some kind of physical altercation that went on there. Uh, Kayla, now, what police agency actually was the lead investigative agency in this? Uh, this was Clay County Sheriff's Department here in Florida. Okay. Uh, now, you say the... The cord that your daughter allegedly hung herself with was missing or destroyed. Uh, yes. At, at, at what point did the medical examiner issue a death certificate uh, uh, where he put down as the cause or manner of death was a suicide? Um, they done the autopsy 10 a.m. the next, you know, that morning. On the second, um, I did, um, of course, I didn't get the autopsy until, you know, later on. I had to wait until they actually closed the case for me to get all the paperwork. 
you know, because I, I, I took and filed a Chapter 119, and I got all the paperwork and all the reports in her case. Um, but it was the very next day. It was the very next day that he he took and ruled that as a suicide by hanging. And um, because, you know, we was at the funeral arrangement, you know, we was at the funeral home the very next day after that, and they were already able to, you know, go pick her up and bring her to the funeral home. When when you were at the scene that night, uh, after that 12:15 a.m. phone call, mm-hmm. did the police? Uh, did you? Did they tell you, or did you overhear any conversation in which the police were leaning toward a suicide? Actually, okay, I didn't hear them personally with my own ears because I was in such a state of shock. But I have four witnesses that was on scene that night that heard them say that the scene appeared to be staged. He said it to my mother and father when they walked inside, and I also had two friends that showed up on scene with me that night, and they heard the detectives saying that the scene appeared to be staged. And I believe my husband overheard them say that too. Okay, uh, tell us then about the police investigation. I'm curious as to what they did that night at the scene. You said they kept you out outside, uh, wouldn't even let you go into your mother's. Um, what what did uh, what did the investigation consist of that night and in the ensuing days? Okay, well, first of all, I mean there were no written or recorded statements taken. The detective only took verbal statements and wrote the report in his own words, and it is very inaccurate. They don't even have the timeline correct. They have Kayla sharing the residence with Mr. Marsh. That is inaccurate. My parents gave him permission to stay in the trailer for one night because, see, they have a house and a trailer on the same property. And also, Kayla never spent one night in that trailer her whole life. I I can attest to that because I even lived in the trailer parents for eight years and she would not she would not spend not one night up in there in that trailer she'd go she'd go and stay at her grandparents house um they completely left my mother's statement out of the police report and she is a very vital witness as witness of the events that happened that night and they even went as far as blaming my 79 year old father of busting Kayla's lip open which is most definitely inaccurate there's people I have statements of people that have seen her, you know, after the conversation with my dad, and she did not have any injuries to her whatsoever. I don't understand how they could even try to put that on him. Uh, that that definitely made me very upset. I mean, when I got that police report and I read it, I was very, very, very upset, you know, because, I mean, there wasn't yeah. much to it. It was only a couple pages long. They didn't do anything. Is, is- is there anything in the report about uh, any comment about the stage scene? No. So that was only verbal, what uh, was overheard by three or four people. Um, right. So the, the detective apparently changed his opinion or changed his mind between the time he made these statements or made a statement about the stage scene uh, and when he wrote his report. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he changed his mind or if he just decided to leave that out because 
everything that he wrote in the police report is nothing but creative writing as far as I'm concerned because by there not being no written or recorded statements and him just taking verbal statements and then choosing to write whatever he wanted to write, he he didn't do a very good job because, I mean, the timeline is so inaccurate. I mean, they, they don't have something right. They even have her living in Tennessee. She's never lived in Tennessee. You know, so there was – there was many inaccuracies on that report. Okay, was uh, was Alan, to, to your knowledge, ever arrested for domestic violence against uh, Kayla or domestic violence against anybody else? Um, yes, in August of 2012, Kayla had Alan arrested for busting all the windows and the taillights out of her truck with a baseball bat. She was actually inside the truck as this was happening and sped away to a gas station where she called the police. He told them, you know, he told the police that Kayla did the damage to her truck herself, but the evidence showed otherwise, so he was arrested for criminal mischief. He called her from jail and told her that he was going to kill her, her family, and her dog for having him arrested. She wrote the judge handling the case a letter and a no-contact order was put against him. Kayla also attended domestic abuse classes at the Quigley House. The no-contact order expired in May 2013, and he called her at work saying he was in the hospital and begged her to come get him. He had gotten into a fight with his mother, rode a bike to a police station, and he went in and fainted, so they had him transported to the hospital. And when Kayla went to the hospital... She actually tried to get them to keep him or Baker Act him, but they wouldn't. So once again, she got stuck with him. And Kayla being herself with a big heart, she found him a place to live, and it all started over again. And four months later, she was killed. After that, um, he had took and walked over 20 miles from the cemetery. Um, One of her friends had called me. She was up at the cemetery. Alan came out on her from, like, out of the woods behind Kayla's grave, and she called me telling me that he was up there. And so then I had a friend go looking, and we actually staked him out. He walked over 20 miles in the cold, dark rain in February. It was on February 6, 2014, because it was on my husband's birthday. And... He walked over 20 miles in the cold, dark rain from the cemetery to my parents' home, and we followed him, and I sat across the road from my parents' house, which was the hardest thing I had to do with my lights off, and watched him actually walk into my parents' yard, and as soon as he did, I called the police, and lucky me, I got the same officer that was out there the night of Kayla's death, and he asked me if you know he had verbally or physically threatened me, and I told him, aren't you the one that told him that he was not allowed back on this premises the night of my daughter's death? And he asked me if I'd followed up with a no trespassing order or no contact order, which I didn't realize I had to. And so, I mean, I did get very upset. So, I mean, and we did get a no trespassing order that night. And then so after that, he was arrested. I mean, he was Baker acted twice by his mother. And then there's another domestic violence charge against him, against his uh, new girlfriend. I'm not sure if he, she is his current girlfriend now or if they've split up now. Um, he's had two children with her. Um, he's actually beat up his mother, and he busted all the windows out of his sister's vehicle. 
And so he was arrested for domestic violence against her, and he just recently was arrested and got out of jail this year on February 22nd um, for a violation of injunction for, you know, the domestic violence for going, you know, by his mother once again. So it's kind of like a, you know, it it keeps going on. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's a very persistent individual. Um, yes. To your knowledge, was he ever formally interrogated by the police or asked to submit to a polygraph regarding Kayla's uh, death? Uh, no, he has never been taken in and interrogated. He wasn't even interrogated the night of her death. When I got Kayla's case reopened in 2014, I know that a sergeant went out and spoke with him outside his residence and he did ask him if he would go in and take a polygraph test, and uh, Mr. Marsh refused. Okay, and in the weeks leading up to Kayla's death, did she have uh, any comments? Did she make any comments to you about uh, about Alan? Yeah, Kayla, she came to me crying, and she was saying that she thinks Alan was being tormented by demons. She said that she had taken him to churches, asking preachers to pray with him. She said that he was astro-projecting, and I asked what that was. She said that he would just stare off into space like he was seeing or talking to someone else, and she would be standing in front of him saying, Alan, it's me, it's Kayla, and that he would just look at her like he didn't know who she was. She said that Alan told her that she wasn't really Kayla, that she looks like Kayla, but that she has been replaced by someone that looks and acts like Kayla. I actually told her, I don't know about him being tormented by demons, but it sounds like he needed some mental help and to please be careful. I mean, because that made me very fearful. I'm, You know, for her to come to me crying the way she was and that she was she was trying to do everything she could to get mental help, get him mental help, but... It was it was kind of like the doors being slammed in her face because she didn't have the backing from his family to help him. So by her not being next of kin, it was kind of hard for her to be able to get him mental help. Or if she tried to set up a meeting, if he refused to go to it, there wasn't really much that she could do. I mean, but she did. She tried to do everything she could to help him, but that... Her coming to me talking about him being tormented uh-huh. by demons and just the things that he was saying to her, it, it really scared me. She even told me that he was having time-lapse problems and that she could go and take a shower and be gone for maybe 15 minutes. And as soon as she came back, that he would accuse her of being gone for hours and that she went off and cheated on him. So she, right. was, uh- she was getting very concerned. She she had her hands full. She had reason to be concerned. I think yes. uh, this would be appropriate right here to uh, to switch to over and bring Clue into the conversation. Okay. Um, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you shortly. No problem. Uh, Clue, before we begin uh, talking about the case, can you tell us just a little bit about your background? Uh, yeah, most of my background is considered. Uh, you know, I've been in the fire department for uh, 27 years. I finished out my career as a fire investigator, doing numerous uh, fire investigations that included homicide deaths, accidental deaths, uh, included doing some surveillance work, talking to different people. And, you know, when you're doing fire investigations, you're pretty well meticulous. And 
you know, reconstructing, you know, uh, crime scenes or whether it be for arson or, 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 or just a fire scene in, in particular. Uh, also have, you know, I'm a paramedic and I've been a paramedic for over 20 years. It seems we've lost Denny's phone call. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and go into the first question with you, Clue. What evidence did the sheriff's office collect? Did they collect any DNA or fingerprints or anything? Uh, no, no DNA was collected. No fingerprints was collected. Uh, you want to fall, you know, on the extension cord that they said that uh, Kaylee, Kayla had hung herself. You know, you would have thought they would have had some uh, collected DNA from that. Or even DNA from the, you know, from the end of the cord that was unplugged from the wall, and also the the end that was plugged into the lamp. So no 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 forensics were done that night. So they and they also didn't interview him. They didn't interview him at the scene, and or nor later. But did they? But they all. But they had a written statement of the events. No, no, How did that all come about? Well, there is no written statement that Alan did. Normally. You know, when the sheriff's office uh, interviews somebody, they try to get somebody to, you know, to do a statement under oath, you know, and, and that way that person's under oath. And uh, they didn't, uh, you know, make him do a written statement. They didn't take him in to, you know, doing an interrogation. Even though he was the last person to see Kayla live, you know, uh, I guess they just talked to him. And, and whatever they said to him, I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a little couple stuff that's in the report about some stuff that he gave. But other than that, there's no there's no written record of anything that he said, and there is no recordings or, or no interviews or no interrogation. Is that is that procedure? Is that against any type of procedure that you're aware of? Well, you would think of a sheriff's office. Uh, the first thing they would do was exclude any type of uh, you know homicide from the case, and you would think they would want to sit down with that person, even have them write something out, you know, of the events that night. Because you know, if anything changes, they can always go back to that night and look at what he was saying. Or they can go back in that recorded interview and interrogation because and and uh, see what he says. But I mean, probably yeah, any if, department if, across the nation would would want to sit down and and have somebody write it out and have a recorded interview, especially when they're the last person to seen somebody alive. Yeah, it's that's it's very unusual. And and Denny, I you know I can't help but think Susan would be all over this case. It sounds just so oh. much like. The Sheena Morris case, which was in Florida as well. Yes. Right. Yeah, she would be all over it. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's numerous cases in Florida. You know, I'm sure there's numerous cases across the United States that are similar in this. But I mean, I mean, just within this area that we're talking about, I mean, I mean, I mean, it, it goes on. I think there's a lot of cover-up that goes on. I think there's a lot of exposure that needs to be done. Any type of cases. Uh, you know, I, I think it just ties ties in obviously with with Kayla's case and so forth. And uh, perhaps Clue, you'd be uh, willing to come back on the program someday and talk about some of these other cases that uh, that need exposure. Maybe we can get help to get the word out. Would you be willing to do that? Yes, that would be great. Because I, I think I think you know not only Kayla's case and, and these other cases. You know, definitely need to get the word out because I think people need to understand uh, what the judicial system does and what kind of corruption that these judicial systems is taking. Uh, great, we will we will uh, book you for another show in the future. Um, I I unfortunately uh, dropped off for a few minutes there. I got disconnected, so I'm not quite sure where we are in the questions we wanted to ask Clue. 
Uh, Delilah, can you enlighten me? Yeah, we're we're up to the third question about the you know listing of Kayla's injuries. What, did the sheriff's office do that? Did they have that in their report? There was no injuries that were listed in any report from the sheriff's office or the medical examiner's office uh, on Kayla's injuries. And she had and she had some injuries. She had some scratches to her chin. She had a busted lip, and she had what appears to be scratch marks on the left side of her face. Uh, and none of that was, and none of that was noted in, in any other medical examiner report. And we can talk about that in a few minutes when I get into some of the medical examiner stuff. Okay. Did the uh, sheriff's office or medical examiner, to your knowledge, ever consider the torn clothing that Kayla had on? No, no none of that was in the report. And it's clear. I mean, it's clearly seen that this shirt that Kayla had, and I believe that's one of the shirts that she bought when she was in uh, Tennessee, I believe. And yeah. uh, and that shirt was ripped. You know, it's kind of like if you was to take that shirt and and grab it at the front and just rip it straight down into like a V-shaped area. Now, it, you know, it doesn't make sense for you know someone that's going to commit suicide. They're going to rip their shirt open, you know, and 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 have all these injuries to them. You know, and and the sheriff's office, I believe, when they went out and did an investigation, they didn't even exclude the homicide, which we talked about a while ago. I think, in my honest opinion, they just went in there and said, hey. You know, you know, this is white trash, and we're just going to call it a suicide and and leave it at that. That's my honest God opinion. I got to tell you, the the fact that uh, nobody, especially the medical examiner, failed to list Kayla's injuries is just uh, um, bewilders me. I I don't understand that. now, Alan apparently made a statement that Kayla was, he found Kayla suspended in a tree. Uh, well, do you believe that statement to be true? No, I don't, because uh, he he had told the sheriff's office that he had, uh, you know, seen Kayla suspended in a tree. The only thing that the sheriff's office ever did right in this whole case was to measure the cord that was still hanging in a tree, which was, I think, like uh, four foot, ten inches, from where the cord was cut to the ground, and if if, if you if you measure the noose and all that, it's kind of like the like the four foot, like ten inches or whatever. Kayla was five foot two. If if she was suspended in a tree, and we get into stuff in a, in a little bit, but uh, there's no way she was suspended in a tree with the measurements from the cord. She would have had it been standing on the ground. Um. What was the time frame from when uh, Alan found Kayla to when he notified her grandmother? Well, if you look if you look at the time frame as far as when Alan came over uh, to uh, Kayla's grand, uh, grandmother's house, he he came over and knocked on the door. He just stood at he just stood at the window, staring at the window, and Kayla's grandmother was up waiting on her so she could talk to her about the events that happened in Tennessee because she wanted to find out about what happened in Tennessee. And when Alan did not knock on the door, she went over to the door. She says, hey, what do you need, Alan? He goes, well, I want to know where Kayla's at. And she goes, well, Kayla's with you. He goes, well, no, she's not with me. Well, Alan walks back off. She goes into the, to the, to the room and put her shoes on. The time she puts her shoes on and walks back outside, she's walking straight in front of the, front of the mobile home. When she's walking in front of the mobile home, she sees Alan because Alan's wearing a white T-shirt, I guess, and standing about 20 foot at the other end of the mobile home. As soon as she gets to the end of the other mobile home, before, if she would have taken one step further, she probably could have seen Kayla laying on the ground. But he said, oh, my God, go call 911. Kayla hung herself. So she goes back and calls 911. Well, 
I actually am the only one who interviewed Alan Marsh and got him on a recorded line. And his statements do not add up, and his statements that he told me and that he told the police do not add up. There are different stories, and they're inconsistency stories. He told me is that when he left Miss, uh, when he left Kayla's grandmother's, he walked to the right through the back of the mobile home and seen Kayla in the tree. Well, that's impossible because that night was a crescent moon. And if anybody knows what a crescent moon is, especially out in the country, it's dark. You can't see nothing out in there. So I, I, he, there's no way he's seen it. So, the, so if, he, if, 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 he, if Kayla was still hanging in a tree, the time it took Miss Skeen to go back into the house and to get her husband up, Alan did not have enough time to come back into the house, grab a knife, cut her down, and, and, and try to do CPR. So in another area that he told the detectives that he was doing CPR. He never did CPR. There was no evidence of CPR. There was no injuries to her chest. There was no bruising to her chest or anything of that nature. We tried to do any, tried to assist her in any way. Uh, and the the police apparently, or the ME, and no, nobody caught any of this? It's, uh, the, no. The issues? The, uh, no. Actually, the medical examiner, which is uh, Dr. Nucalusco, I had called him, and, and my thing was the finding of suicide that he tells me is a direct result of the Clay County Sheriff's Office investigation and the evidence given to him, you know, from the report that states that, hey, you know, take that suicide. So I asked him, I said, does the medical examiner more or less rely on what the sheriff's office tell them? His answer to me was yes. You know, well, if that's the case, they're violating, the, you know, the Florida state statute because only the medical examiner in the state of Florida has the right to, uh, to apply the cause and manner of death. The sheriff's office cannot determine any cause and manner of death. They, their job is to collect the evidence. If they feel that the suspect needs to be arrested, they're arrested. And also by law, they are, they are return, they, they're supposed to turn over any and all evidence to the medical examiner's office before the medical examiner's office opines the cause of a matter of death, but that way it helps him. In this case, it wasn't even done. In this case, the medical examiner didn't even uh, list any injuries because my meeting with him was, did he know about the injuries? He said there was no injuries. So I showed him his actually autopsy photos, and he didn't have an answer for them. And his answer to me was, well, you need to get, you need to change the mind of the state attorney and see what they can do, and maybe we can help. You. So at that time, I knew that I caught him in in a lie about Kayla's injury. So he is putting the the burden on uh, someone else instead of him to to call the shots, apparently. Yes, because basically what he's telling me is that the sheriff's office, if they give them the evidence, whatever, they're not really going to go outside what the sheriff's office says, you know, and they're just going to do that, you know. But if they do their job that they're required to do, and if the sheriff's office does it, their job that they're required to do, I mean, they can they can solve these cases, you know. I don't know if it's called laziness. I don't know if they, they don't want to do their job. But I'm telling you, they're leaving a lot of people out here with, uh, you know, inadequate, inadequate rulings and a misjustice. Yes, uh, it's very upsetting to me because this apparently, uh, you know, from what I understand, is not confined just to Kayla's case. This is uh, kind of a pattern. Uh, now, Dreama previously mentioned that uh, Alan had been seeing demons and uh, some kind of scary stuff. Um, 
do you have any reason to believe that he claims he was seeing demons the night of Kayla's death? Well, I know that uh, the day of her funeral, I have some friends of Kayla's that actually talked to him, and they actually, you know, he actually told them that that uh, he didn't think that was Kayla. He thought it was demons, and he was seeing demons. He thought it was somebody else, and you know, and he didn't he didn't recognize Kayla, you know, that night. It was and just actually, someone who looked like her, huh? Yes, and actually, he told me during his interview is that he thought that this was a homicide, and and wanted to know if anybody else was there. So if he's saying that this is a suicide and Kayla hung herself, why would he be saying, you know, that this is a homicide, you know, and and want to know if anybody else was there? Um, now a guilty person always changes uh, his or her story to fit their needs. Is is that That's true? Right. That's true. That's true. Uh, and, and 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 he's changed. And he's he. I mean, he's definitely changed the story with me. You know, as far as in his recorded interview than what he told the. Uh, you know, the sheriff's office. But you would figure the sheriff's office would have all that in writing so they can go back and look at it. But the only thing they, you know, they, they, they might have questioned him and, and put what he told them at night. But, I mean, he's changed, he's changed his statements quite a few times. So, in your opinion, uh, based on your investigation, this uh, Kayla's death was pretty clearly a homicide? If you look at all the evidence in this case and and what the sheriff's office did not collect and, and all the forensics in this case, um, I, I would say it leads more on the homicide than anything else. Uh, you go back in the house and uh, uh, the night of Kayla's death with all her injuries, uh, she is missing uh, her diamond nose ring from the night of her death. We got witnesses saying that, you know, uh, earlier that evening she had it in there. She didn't have no injuries to her. She she actually filled out a uh, a statement which was notarized to her. Uh, her necklace, her gold rope necklace, was taken off of her neck and laid on a coffee table, uh, and it's and it's frayed all up. And it's obvious that the pendant and the clasp that was found in the ottoman chair was somehow pulled off of her necklace where it's been where it's been frayed. And why would it be in a, in inside the ottoman, you know, between the cushion? If the sheriff's office would have been, uh, you know, uh, a good investigation. They just—they stood, stood at the door and took pictures. They never went inside and collected any evidence inside that house. If they would have went inside and collected evidence inside that house and did a proper investigation and ruled out homicide, interrogated Alan Mars, and got a written statement from him, I don't believe we'd, sit, we'd be sitting here talking about this today. I think Alan Mars would be in jail for the murder of Kayla Steen. Um, it. The Clay County Sheriff uh, Sheriff's Department that, that is handling this or, or handled it. Apparently, it's a closed case now because uh, they closed it out as a suicide. But um, have you dealt with them before? Do you know what their reputation is? And you, know, you know, I work with Clay County Sheriff's Office a lot. I retired out of Clay County with, with the Clay County Fire Department. You know, and 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 when Kayla first came to me, I really didn't. You know, want to, want to do this case because I had a good working relationship with the sheriff's office, I believe. You know, and and uh, she begged me, she begged me, she begged me to do this case. I mean, I, she didn't pay me any money. I did it for free. You know, and 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 I kind of knew what the repercussions were going to be when I when I took on this case. It, it's not just the same thing with Kayla case, but it's other cases that I, I've done. Is that when you go against the sheriff's office and you embarrass them and 
you find additional evidence that they didn't do or you did things that you mentioned things that they should have done, you're embarrassing them. They do not like to be told how to do their job. They do not like to be embarrassed. They do not like to say I'm sorry, and they're not going to apologize. And what they're going to do is try to cover up the crime, and they're going to try to shut you up, and they're going to, they're going to try everything in their power, you know, to, to move you off the way so they ain't got to listen to you. And everything from the sheriff's office, the state attorney's office, to the governor, you, you can't get nothing done in the state of Florida unless you're one of them three. Because every one of them people need each other, from the judges to the state attorney's office to the sheriff's office. And they, each one of them can't do anything without the other, so they're all in cahoots together. And I can say, listen, there's a lot of good police officers in the state of Florida, a lot of good police officers around the country, but I'm saying there's a lot of corrupt people, and, and, they, and they hide a lot of things that they don't want the public to know. And when you expose, uh, when you expose these, I'm going to say shortcomings, uh, then you become the enemy, right? Because uh, oh, that's sure. the last thing oh, they sure. need. Is... Well, you know, they don't want to. They don't want to admit the fact now. You know, I mean, you would think somebody that that uh, that found evidence into a case that would help them out. You know, to get somebody off the street or even bring them in. You know, to do an interview on, you know, and especially with like Alan Mars. He's been arrested, uh, arrested for domestic violence. Why not go grab him, interview him, and say, hey, you know, we, we know that you're in jail now for domestic violence. We don't talk to you about Kayla's scheme. I mean, he can lawyer up all he wants, you know, and, 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 and do that. But I, if they would have done their job right the first time, there's still a lot of evidence in this case that they can do it. They know, they know that they mess up, they're aggravated. The higher ups aggravated because the extension cord was thrown away, you know. And but when you try to cover up a crime, you just try to cover up one piece at a time, and it just gets it just piles on top. And you know, and sooner or later, it'll come back to bite them. Uh, yeah, the the, the sloppiness, uh, if you will, of, of this investigation certainly is uh, you know is concerning. Uh, and and then the uh, the, the fact that they won't acknowledge, uh, you know, that perhaps they could have done more. And and at this point, uh, you know, it, it, accept that and reopen the investigation and take a second look. It's really uh, discouraging. Clue, thank you very much. Uh, hang on the line with us. I want to just, uh, go back to DREAMA now. And uh, we definitely will be contacting you in the future about doing uh Doing a show on some of these cases that uh, that need exposure, as you say, uh, Dreama. Now, you uh, obviously were following up on this. You did not accept a ruling of suicide, and you met with the sheriff uh, sheriff's department on occasion. Can you tell us what happened in your last meeting that you and your mother had with the sheriff and the under sheriff? Yes, and I also want to add in that Kayla's case was reopened in 2014. And um, I believe that it is still remained open, but I, that made me be more to the fact that so I can't get any paperwork, any further reports that has went on in her case um, dealing with that. But I do want to speak about the, the sheriff and the undersheriff. Um, what had happened is a new administration had just came in, and our new sheriff, Sheriff Daniels, 
he told me in a private message before he was elected that if he was elected, he promised to get to the bottom of this because, you know, once I knew he was running and everything, of course, all the sheriffs that were running, you know, of course, I sent them a message letting them know about Kayla's case. And I actually went out and uh, protested at the sheriff's forums and handed out hundreds and hundreds of flyers on her case. Um, Once he was elected, I set up a meeting for my mother, my private investigator, Clue Wright, and I. First off, they would not allow Clue into the meeting, so my mother and I went on in because my mother had now been waiting three and a half years to give her statement that was left out of the police report. She never got to tell her whole statement that day either. As she was talking, the secretary knocked on the door and got Sheriff Daniels out of the meeting after 10 minutes of us going in, and he never returned. Once he left, his undersheriff's demeanor instantly changed. He stopped my mother from talking, and he asked me what were the telltale signs of suicide. I straight up told him, I don't know because I don't know anyone that has committed suicide. He said that he had a family member that committed suicide, and some in his family still to this day say that he didn't do it, but he really did hang and kill himself. I told him, just because your family member may have committed suicide does not mean that Kayla did. He then asked my 77-year-old mother if she helped me raise Kayla, and she replied yes, which I have no shame in that. Yes, my parents, they helped me raise Kayla, and they are the greatest parents in the world. He then said, because my mother helped me raise Kayla, it made her dysfunctional, and then she was in a dysfunctional relationship, which therefore made her dysfunctional, so she killed herself. I was appalled because that is the farthest thing from the truth. I then asked if he had looked over any of the evidence provided by my private investigator and I, or has he listened to the only recorded interview with Mr. Marsh and my private investigator. He replied, no. I then said, that just proves that you're only looking at the inaccurate police reports and that by not looking at the evidence we have provided proves that they are not doing their job and that this department has a bunch of incompetence and corruption. I mean, they they truly hate it when I say those words, but it's the truth in my heart. That's the way I feel because I feel that that her, her civil rights have been violated. I mean, and then we were instantly, we were thrown out of the meeting. I mean, they literally pushed my mother out of the door as she was crying and begging them to please listen to her and take her statement that Mr. Marsh killed her granddaughter. They continued to push her back, and they just shut the door in her face. Uh, This is uh, like something out of a bad movie. Uh, (laughs) You say they reopened the case in 14. Was Was that correct? Yes, sir. Now, so it's been going on four years. What has happened since then? And what, what does it mean by reopen the case? Well, I mean, when I sent in all my reports and everything, they reopened it. I know that there was another sergeant assigned to the case, and I know he went out and talked to a few people. I don't know what those reports say because I can't get my hands on any of on, on any of that stuff, and that. Um, before the new administration came in, every meeting that we set up and we went in and Clue would go in with me, um, he mentions, he pulls out a picture of her ligature mark because, you know, there's also like a thin ligature mark within a ligature mark. 
And they instantly go hostile on him and attack him like a couple pit bulls. They start screaming at him. They won't let him speak. So, of course, I always go in prepared, and I end up being the one that has to do all the talking because they will not let him speak. They will not let us provide the evidence that we have gathered in this case. They refuse to listen to anything that we have to say. They fight us on every single thing that they can. Hey, Danny, can I say something for a second? Sure, go ahead, Cliff. You know, hey, when, you know, when somebody really uh, commits suicide and stuff like that, when, when they hang themselves, they normally have a pattern called an inverted V mark on their neck where it goes all the way up, you know, like straight behind their ears and goes up into, like, the mid part of the back of their head. If you look at Kayla's uh, marks, they're, like, horizontal. They go, like, they wrap around her neck, you know, and, and them are telltale signs, you know, of strangulation. Also, if you look closer into you know, the uh, the ligature mark around her neck, you can see, like, gold, like, small gold fibers. And this goes back to if they would have done, uh, you know, a, a complete investigation, forensics and stuff like this, you know, and, 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 and grabbed her necklace, they could, they probably could have matched that necklace, you know, with them gold fibers on her neck and stuff like that because in, inside that ligature mark is kind of like a small little rope mark, you know, that goes all, all the way around her neck, like somebody grabbed her from behind, you know, and was choking her from behind. You know, and, 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 and that literature mark is not an inverted D. That literature mark actually goes around behind, you know, like a horizontal thing around her neck, you know, as opposed to the inverted D. So it's more consistent with the strangulation uh, by someone else as a homicide than it is a, a suicide. Sure, and when somebody talks about the hyoid bone, normally when, like, when you do a manual strangulation on somebody, normally they can fracture the hyoid bone. But, you know, the hyoid bone doesn't come mature if you do your research on it until after 30 years old. So the hyoid bone could be broken or could not be fractured. You know, it depends on, depends on the age of the person, too. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Clone. Uh, Dreama, has the Florida Department of Law Enforcement looked into Kayla's case? And if so, what happened? Well, the Clay County Sheriff's Office, they called me last summer of 2017 and told me that Kayla's case had been turned over to the FDLE for an investigation and that it was no longer in their hands and an agent would be contacting me. No agent never called me. So I waited about six to seven months, and I finally called and left a message on February in February 2018 to call me. I got a call back a few weeks later, and the agent told me that they were never investigating Kayla's case they were only looking to see if they wanted to investigate it, but they have chosen not to and that I need to handle this on a local level. So now I feel like Clay County Sheriff's Office was just stringing me along to shut me up for as long as they could, you know, for as long as they possibly could to try to make me think that this case had went over to them and that they were going to be handling it, which in reality they're not. They're not, they're not planning on doing anything. He said that if I feel like Kayla's civil rights have been violated, then I need to go to the state's attorney's office and to the FBI. You know, what would you like uh, for the sheriff's department to do at this point? Well, first of all, I would like them to bring Mr. Marsh in and get a recorded interrogation, which should have been done the night of her death. I've always said from the beginning to them that, in my personal opinion, they should have took – Mr. Marsh, my mother, and my father, all three down to the police station and done a recorded interrogation with them. I mean, this is my 20-year-old daughter. 
you know, especially since she was found on the ground by them, not hanging in a suspended position or anything else. I want them to stand up and admit the mistakes they made on the night of my daughter's death because they did not follow protocol in a death investigation. Homicide should be completely ruled out before ruling a death a suicide. This was not done in my daughter's case. I want Kayla's death certificate changed. If they cannot prove 100% that Kayla took her own life, then she should not be convicted of her own death without no judge, jury, trial, or even a proper investigation. There is plenty of evidence proving that Kayla was killed and her body was moved, and I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm never going to give up, and I am going to keep marching forward until I get justice for my daughter, the justice that she deserves, because she does not deserve to be blamed for her own death when she did not do it. And I will Um, never stop. I will never stop. Dreamer, before we wrap up, uh, is there a website uh, or Facebook page where people can go for more information or to leave comments or questions? Yes, there's. A, I have a page called Justice for Kayla Eskeen on Facebook. Um, I haven't gotten a website set up for it yet because, you know, I it's hard to pay for a domain and everything, but there is a Facebook page, and... Um, I'm already connected to so many mothers, so many family members that this has happened to, and we all deserve justice. We deserve for these police officers and medical examiners and everybody involved to just step up and do the right thing. This has become an epidemic where people are going out, they are killing our children, and they are staging their deaths. And we have all got to stand up as one together and holler and roar and keep fighting because one voice only says so much. But if we can combine together and put all our voices together as one, our roar will be so loud that they cannot ignore us. And I will always be there to help all the other families that are going through the same thing as me. And we are going to get justice for our children. Okay, we ran out of uh, air time. However, the uh, complete uh, broadcast, including your latest comments here, are on rec- been recorded and will be part of the show if anybody plays it back from the archives. Unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up here. Uh, Dream and Clue, thanks so much for being here and sharing this, what I consider to be a very troubling story. And... Uh, Thanks also to our listeners. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.